0: for What's the Word? Thanks for being on with us. If you haven't done it yet, take the link to this broadcast and share it with somebody that you know. Today's word is life. It is hope to those who will listen, who will hear of it. And we want every person who watches this broadcast to be filled with the hope of God. So take this link, share it with somebody that you know. And as you're hopping on, maybe you're watching live, maybe you're watching in the replay. We want to know who you are, where you're watching from. So that way we can say hi to you. Even if you're watching in the replay, We try to go back and say hi to each person, answer questions, so if as we go through this you have any questions or anything sticks out to you, we want to know about it, even if it's not live. So put those things in the comments, and we're going to dive in here in just a minute. If you missed it yesterday, Pastor Brian actually did two broadcasts. He did Our Lunch Plus One But then he also did a broadcast with Pastor John Culbertson, and it was phenomenal. They talked about healing, and you can go back and watch that on our YouTube channel. So if you missed it yesterday, if you weren't able to watch both, go back and watch Pastor's broadcast that he did with Pastor John. It was phenomenal. And we're just so excited to be here with you. Serena says, hi, watching from Albemarle. You know, like right here. She's watching from right here. We've got a bunch of people on, and... I'm not going to delay. We're going to hop in because I'm excited about the word. You know, one of the things that's phenomenal about the word of God is that it's alive. You know, the word is alive. And put that in the comments right now, right out of the gate. This is going to be a confession sort of word today. The word's alive. Put that in the comments. The word is alive. And when the word comes alive to us, there's an excitement that comes from it. Because the word, it's not dead, it's an alive word. You know, I remember when I came here to North Carolina back in 2012 with Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. and the Miracle Words team, I actually didn't come to Boomerang that Sunday. I went to Encounter Christ Church with Pastor Alan DiDio. Evan, his son, was on just a little bit ago. And I remember Pastor Alan ministering about how Jesus was not just a character, in the Bible, Jesus was an alive person. He is an alive person now. This book is not just a history book. It's not just a book that we pick up and read. This word is alive. And it has an alive word for you today. See, a lot of times, I know I've approached the word, and it's like, okay, I've got my reading in. Okay, I've got my reading in. Okay, I've got my reading in. Whew good, I did my chore for the day. But if we'll approach this word with hunger and humility and say, Lord, you're speaking to me today and you're speaking to me through the word of God, I'm going to hear it, I'm going to receive it, and it's going to change my life, then how we approach the word is going to be phenomenally different than anything we've ever experienced before. Priscilla says, the Word is alive. Mama Chris, Holly, Kelly, Joni, Kevin, Greg, Becca, the Word's alive. It is. The Word's alive today, and the Word's going to come alive for you in a brand new way. Because He's good. He's kind. He's an awesome God. And I'm excited about it. So if you have your Bible in front of you, if you have it on your phone, if you want to follow along, you can. We're going to be very Scripture-heavy today because the Word's alive and I want to focus solely on the Word of God. We're going to start in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. I heard Serena going, hmm, Old Testament. <laughs> it's in the prophets. The Lord has been speaking to me a lot lately. I, for weeks and weeks and weeks now about abiding in Him. Abiding in Him. Abiding in Him. Today, what we're going to be talking about is the power that's available through intimacy. And we talk about this a lot. But I don't want you to cut off just by the word intimacy. You know, that's one of those words that I think it's, it can sound flowery or it can sound weird, but there's a power that's truly available to every single believer through an intimate relationship with God. Now, what's an intimate relationship? Well, an intimate relationship is where you know a person. You know them inside and outside. You know what makes them tick. You know what they think. You know that person. And often, what we think of is a marriage. I think one of the reasons why, with intimacy, we we've been so quick to just be like, "Eh, that sounds weird." Like, I, intimacy with God is because. We think of marriages and how they've gone great and how they've gone poorly. Or we'll think of physical stuff. But an intimate relationship with the Lord is not just Him knowing us. It's us knowing Him. We are able to know God. Put that in the comments. I am able to know God. I am able to know God. God. I am able to know God. Why am I saying it four times? Well, repetition is the motor of learning. And sometimes that first time that we say something, it's just mechanical. It's coming out of our brain. And it's like, oh, I'm going to say this because I'm supposed to say it. I, I am able to know God. But the more we say it, a lot of times the more it comes alive. There's more resolution on it as we say it. It's not just a mechanical mental thing of, oh yeah, no, I can know God. No, it's a reality. I am able to know God. And here's the thing. As we know God, God's then able to do exploits through us. Our relationship with God, it's a covenant partnership. If we'll do our part, He's then able to do his part. And there are some things on this earth that are called by you, by God through you to be done. There's things that are supposed to happen here in this earth through you, with the power of God. Pastor's been saying this a lot lately, but look at your hands. Your hands are called to lay on the sick, and through your hands, the power of God is to be released. You know, through your mouth, when you're praying, there's a power that's supposed to come out when you're speaking. We as believers are called by God to do great and mighty things, but that's only going to happen through intimacy. And I'm going to show you that in the word. Serena said, he has designed me to know him and hear from him. It's in my DNA. Amen. Serena's been hanging out with me a lot. A lot of that, like, is, are things that I'll pray out. I know that's coming from her spirit. But that's what the Holy Spirit's been saying to me, too. He's designed us to know Him. It's in our very makeup to be able to know Him. Ah, it's so exciting. It's so exciting that we get to know God. Like, none of this is put on. I'm not just coming in here to hype you up. It's an exciting time that the God of the universe, the God who made Mount Everest, the God who made diamonds, the God who made Jupiter, and all the stuff in the solar system that gets Abby excited, that same God, he wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. So how do we do that? How can we do exploits? How can we know God? How? So glad you asked. We're going to go back to Zechariah. So, Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, the angel's talking, and he says, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 7 What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain and he will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Okay, well, we're going to read it in the NLT because it makes it come to life a little bit different. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It's not by force, nor by strength, but by my spirit, said the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, May God bless it. May God bless it. So in this verse, what we see is the angel telling how something is accomplished. And he says, It's not by power. It's not by might. It's by the Lord's spirit. So this is a verse that's pretty familiar, you know, at least here in our church, in in the circles of ministers that we receive from. So I've taken some time. The the verses just kept coming up to me. You know, a month ago, Brother Tracy was in South Carolina, and this is a verse that the Lord just kept, I was going to say harping, if we think of harping in a bad way, but he was fixed on it. He was fixed on it. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Well, so I looked it up in the Strongs, in the original language to see what these things meant. Might means a force, whether of men, means, or of other resources. So we can, we can literally say, it's not by my resources. It's not by my force. It's not by the stuff that I have that things happen. We can't earn God's favor. We can't earn Him doing anything on our, on our behalf. We can't accrue enough stuff to motivate God to do something for us. It's not by us forcing Him. We can't manipulate God to move. We can't earn God moving. It's not by our might. And when it says not by might nor by power, power means vigor, literally force in a good or a bad way, or by means or produce, by ability. So it's not by whether I can force you through good things, I can force you through bad things. A lot of times we've gone to God and it's been like, okay, I read the word today, I prayed today, I prayed for someone today, I laid hands on someone today, I did my work today, I didn't yell today, I didn't cuss today, I didn't swear today, do something great for me now. That's a good way. Or it's, God, I'm only going to serve you if you serve me. That's a bad way. So it's not by force. It's not by our means. It's not by our capacity. It's not by what we can do for him. It's not by anything we bring to the table. That's basically what that verse is saying boiled down. It's not by anything we bring to the table. We don't bring anything to the table that motivates God to move on his own. We love him. His love for us is what causes him to move, but it's not my action solely that prompts him. How does he move? By my spirit. I can't manipulate him. I can't force him. I I can't do enough good things to make him do stuff for me. It's solely by the spirit of God and by my love for him. Those are how he moves. And when it says my spirit it's saying the wind of God, the breath of God, by the breath of God, things are done on the earth by the breath of God. Okay. Well, that sounds, if we just take it that way, it just sounds like, well, God will do whatever he wants to do. If he breathes it here. Great. If he breathes it there. Great. And I don't, I just, I don't, I guess God's sovereign and what he wills to happen. will ha- It's not that. It's not a matter of God's flippant and he's just going to do whatever he wants to do. No, God's a covenant God and he partners with us. He partners his very breath from us. He partners with us, but it's not because we force him. It's not because we go up to God and strong arm him. It's because he delights in empowering his people with the breath of God. The breath of God is life to the believer. Put that in the comments. The breath of God is life to the believer. Pastor John Culbertson is here. Watch him from Indiana. Ah, oh, such an honor to have you on. We appreciate you so much. Pastor John is the one that pastor did his broadcast with yesterday. So again, if you haven't seen it yet, go back and watch it. Things won't happen just because we desire them to happen. They won't. You know... We said earlier, the word's alive. It's an alive word. We can read the promise after promise after promise of God that's alive in the word. But here's the thing. I can want it. I can desire it. But nothing happens just because I desire something. I can desire it all day long. But it's not going to happen unless something connects between me and the Lord. See, there's a covenant partnership that we must, must participate with. We must. The word tells us in Psalms 115 verse 16, the earth he has given to the sons of men. The heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. So if the earth is mine and I desire to see God's will happen here on the earth, I can't just sit here hoping that God's going to breathe his breath of life. I can't sit here and force it. I can't, you know, here in the ministry, we have great and mighty things that we're called to do. But if I'm just sitting back twiddling my thumbs and hoping that God's going to breathe his breath of life and I'm not taking up the mantle of responsibility that God himself placed within my hands, nothing's going to happen. It's not going to happen. I can wish, I can hope, I like a worldly hope, But it's never going to happen because it's not by my power. It's not by my might. It's by the breath of God himself. It's by his spirit. So how does his spirit move? It moves through intimacy. You know, you see where the spirit of the Lord is, where the breath of God is, there's a word there. You you see that in Genesis, that same root word um, in the Strong's, where it's talking about, but by my spirit, by my breath, by the wind of God, it's that same word that was in Genesis 1 that says, in the beginning, in the beginning, I have it written down, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless, and was desolate emptiness, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. That's that same word. The Spirit was there, and what did the Spirit do? It spoke. The spirit spoke, it said, let there be life, let there be light. And there was light. See where the spirit is when it says not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, by my breath, where the spirit is, where the breath of God is, the word is. That's why the word is alive, because when God wants something to happen, he gives a word. God doesn't do anything without a word. God moves by the word. He speaks through his word. Things form through his word. Adam and Eve, when he was forming Eve, he breathed the breath of life into her. He spoke to her. She arose. She awakened. She was formed through his breath. Adam, man, woman, they were formed because God said, let us make man in our image. There was a word there. Where the spirit is, there's a word there's an instruction. So God, here's the thing, God is ever ready to give his instructions all of the time. He's ever ready to tell us what we need to do, how we need to do it, what it needs to look like. He's such a good God. He's such a good God. The reason this is exciting, and I know I know, right now this seems more big picture. We're going to dig into the Word, so I need you to stay with me just for a bit because we're going to get to how We move into the place where you see things start to manifest. But do you see the correlation between the spirit of God, the breath of God, and the word of God? His spirit is the breath and the winds of God. With the breath and the winds and the spirit of God comes a word. You see it time after time after time in the Word, Psalm 33:6, 6, it says that God... I'm going to turn there because I don't have it 100% memorized, and I don't want to paraphrase the Word. Psalm 33, verse 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth all their hosts. So by the word the heavens were made, and by the breath all their hosts. The word and the breath of life, they go hand in hand, hand in hand. And you can't breathe if your spirit's not there. Like, if I don't have a spirit within me, that means I'm dead. I can't breathe. So, you can't separate the Holy Spirit from the breath of God to the word of God. It's all coming from the same source. His breath, it's coming from the same source. His life, it's the same source. He is the author of the word. Through his spirit comes the instruction of God. So how do we see God's will happen here on the earth? We need to get a word. Put that in the comments. I need to hear the word. I need to hear the word. I need to hear the word. You know, today for this broadcast, we come in each and every single day and we seek the Lord on what's your word for my, for this day? What's your word for this broadcast? What do you want me to speak on? What do you want us to speak on? And today we needed the word. So what did I do? I went to the Lord. I was like, Lord, I need to know what's the word for today. I need to know what are you saying to your people? What's the word? Cause we can come on here and preach all we want to. We can teach you things, but if God hasn't breathed it, there's not life behind it. So if we're just speaking of our own accord and there's not the word of God on it, then there's no power behind it. So why on earth would we come on here and waste your time with a word that's lack of life? We wouldn't. We want you to have an alive word. And that's not just for preaching. That's for when I wake up, Lord, what's your word for my day today? What's your word for what I'm going to do today? What do I need to accomplish today? What's the word over me today? You know, the word over this whole week for the ministry that came on Sunday was, it's our best week that we've had this year. It's our best week yet. That's the word of the week. So each and every single day, I've woken up and I've thought, it's my best week yet. Because that's the word that's for me today. And there's more things. But how often have we just gone into our every single day, and we've just gone through the routine, gone through all the things we need to do, And we haven't sought the Lord on what his word is for the day. You know, maybe, maybe I wake up today and I seek the Lord. I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do today? What, what word do you have for me today? And he says, I want you to stay home. I want you to clean your house and minister to your husband today. Well, that looks different than what my routine is. But what if that's the word? Logic and routine would have me doing something completely different. But if the Word of God says something else, I need to do what the Word says because in that Word is life. In that Word is life. Buddy, just put up, give us this day our daily bread. Part of the daily bread that Jesus was talking about is the Word. We need our on-time daily Word from God because in His Word is life. His Word is life. Put that in the comments. His Word is life. Life. God's Word is life, and we need to eat it every single day. Well, I know just out of an understanding of how the flesh works that hearing that, there are people watching that are like, I don't even know how I can do that. I don't even know how to go about hearing from Him. How am I supposed to hear from Him? I don't even know if I can. You can, because just like at the top of the hour when we started, God designed you to know him. God created you to know him. God created you to know him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. Th- think of this. Have you ever had somebody do something? No. Nope. Let me rephrase. Have you ever wanted someone to do something for you? Like, do a job for you there's something you needed to get done and you wanted them to do the job well let's the example that's coming to me is laundry let's say you live with somebody and they're gonna do laundry for you whether it's a roommate whether it's your spouse and the laundry needs to get done okay if they don't know how to do laundry are you going to leave them to their own devices to do it No, (laughs) because that's how you end up with pink clothes (laughs) because red stuff would end up getting washed with white stuff and it would be bad. No, if you want someone to do the laundry properly and they don't know how, you give them instructions. You set them up for success because why would you want to have to then go redo your laundry? You wouldn't. Like that. (laughs) You don't want to have to go do work again. You know, you would make it easy for them to understand how to accomplish the task that you set before them. You give clear instructions. How do we know how to do that? Because that's what our Lord did. That's what our Father did. He wants us to be able to know Him. He wants us to be able to know Him. And He hasn't made it hard or complicated because that just defeats the whole purpose. You know, if the whole purpose was to make it really hard and difficult and complicated, he doesn't really want to know us. He wants to see how well we do at achieving something. That's not it. He wants us to know him, and he has not made it difficult. Ed, I see your comment. You said, please pray for your heart. Uh, What do you want us to be praying for your heart about? Is it healing that you're wanting us to be agreeing with you on? Is there something specific? Let us know, and we will absolutely be praying for you. We want to agree with you on the word. We just want to make sure that we're agreeing together on what it is that you're asking the Lord for. So here's the thing. When God breathed, life came. There is a power that's available to us that we haven't even begun to tap into yet. There's a power available to believers through intimacy with him that we've maybe dreamed of, we've maybe even thought about it, but I'd say that as a whole, we haven't stepped into it really. There's a power that comes through intimacy because through intimacy comes knowledge, comes revelation, comes understanding. And that power is what we're going to be talking about today. It's time for us to step into it through intimacy. We've tried. We've tried before. We've tried through religion. We've tried through tradition. We've tried through our own works. We've tried to earn it. We've tried to do it on our own. It can't be done. The true power of God comes through intimacy with God. That's the only way it's going to come. It's the only way it's going to come. Put that in the comments. The true power of God only comes through intimacy with God. The true power of God only comes through intimacy with God. That's the only way it's going to come. And the first step of that is knowing that God wants you to know him. See, our flesh, our flesh is so stupid. It's so stupid. And the world is corrupted and it wants us to focus on sin consciousness. It wants us to think of all of our shortcomings and all of the reasons that we as humans probably wouldn't be friends with ourselves. (laughs) Like, I don't know if your flesh has ever done that. Mine has, where it's like, I wouldn't be friends with me right now. (laughs) But here's the thing, that's not our God. All of that is distracting lies to get us off course. We are anointed by God anointed set apart by God to know him we're set apart to know him we need to know him you know that's John 17:3 this is eternal life that they may know God that's what it says this Jesus talking that they may know you the only true God and Jesus whom you have sent Why did Jesus come to the earth that we may have and enjoy life? And what is life? It's knowing God. That's the whole reason Jesus came was so that we could know God. Think of it this way. If we spend all of our time here on the earth and we never really know God, Jesus' sacrifice was wasted. Truly, that it, and it has to be real to us like that. Jesus paid a high, high price so that you could know his father. So that we could make him our father. He wants us to know God to such a degree that he paid for our ability to do so with his life. I've never paid for anything with my life. I've never walked into a store and said, man, that watch looks cool. I'll give you my life for it. No, I've never done that. Nothing has ever been that important to me that I have literally given of my life for it in that way. I've never never had it presented to me, either die or renounce Jesus. You know, I've never had that in front of me. But that's the only way that I can even begin to think that my life would be Given, oh, you, you you know what I mean? Like Jesus gave of His life that we could know God. It meant that much to Him that you would get to know Him. He wants you to get to know Him, and if you'll hang on, I'll pray with you at the end of the broadcast because we're actually going to be talking about clean and pure hearts, like in Psalm fifty-one. So if you'll stay on at the end of the broadcast, I'm going to be praying for you. So you just stay on, and we'll pray together. Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in the time of our need. See, if God wanted us to have it all together before we came to him, then this would just be ridiculous. This verse in and of itself would be ridiculous because if we needed to have it all together before we went to him, why would we need his help? If we were perfect in going to him, we don't need his help. We're just there to hang with him. But it says, no, approach the grace with confidence. Confidence in what? Not in ourselves, not in our power, not in our might, but because we're filled as believers with his spirit. That's how we can approach that throne, not because of our power not because of our might, not because we forced our way through the door, not because we're bringing anything to the table, but because the spirit of God breathed his life in us and qualified us to be there. Do you see that parallel with Zechariah 4.16? We can't force our way into the throne room. We can't come in Anyway, way less than reverent, but because his spirit entered into our mortal bodies, the moment we made Jesus our Lord and Savior and asked to be filled with the spirit of God, he breathed a new breath in us. We are not filled with earthly breath. We've got the breath of God in our bodies right now. The breath that we used to breathe that smelled like sulfur and the things that smelled like death, no longer. You're filled with the breath of life. That's how you're qualified to be that place in front of God and you can go and get help in time of need because you're not even separate from him anymore you're the same you're the same you're filled with that same spirit we're filled with the spirit of God and because we're filled with him we then are able to be in his presence we are supposed to be there but when we've gone in and and I can't tell you how many times I've done this where I've been timid going before God and it's He's going to be bad. He's going to be afraid or ashamed of me. I need to be afraid of this moment. No, I don't. I need to remember what I'm bought with. What fills my mortal body. It's not a natural breath that fills my mortal body. It's the breath of God itself. Priscilla just said, I'm filled with the breath of God. Put that in the comments. You're filled with the breath of God He breathed his life into you. His life is what flows through your veins. His life is what causes your heart to pump. His blood is what's inside of you. It's not yours, it's his. The moment we accepted him as our Lord and Savior, our very DNA changed. We're not of him anymore that looks and talks like this world. We're of Jesus. We're qualified to be there because his spirit, fills our mortal body. That's why we can get help. Romans 5, 8. And here's the thing. We're, in Romans 5, 8, it talks about how God demonstrated his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we had it together. Not when we thought that we earned it. Not when it felt like we did everything right. When we were sinners, Christ qualified us. When we were enemies, Christ gave of his life to make us partakers with the grace of God. Why am I so strong on this point right now? Because this first point is what has kept believers out of the presence of God. We don't feel like we can. We don't feel like we've earned it. We don't feel like we're good enough to be there. It's all been feelings that have been based on hogwash. Put this in the comments. I don't live by feelings. I don't live by feelings. Feelings are not part <laughs> of the new man. Feelings are part of the soul, and we can renew our mind, our will, and our emotions, but that's not part of the Spirit of God. So every time we feel like we're not adequate, every time we feel like we're not good enough, every time we feel like God's ticked off at us, it's a lie. I don't live by feelings. I live by the word. That's why the word's got to be alive and it's got to be daily. Because what do we do? If we wake up in the morning and we wake up and we feel like, oh, this is going to be a crummy day. I just feel off today. I feel weird today. My thoughts have just not been good today. I just feel funky today. I've just felt meh. That's a feeling. The Word says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. In Christ, He has qualified and guaranteed that those who are filled with His Spirit can and shall have a sound mind. So those feelings that try to make us shaky and unstable... That's not a part of your inheritance. That's not a part of God. That's part of the flesh. And we don't have to be an unfirm foundation. We've got a sound mind. We've got a sound mind. We've got a sound mind. And that's what we need to be able to say over and over and over until it's alive in us. No, I'm not someone who's tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. Even my own doctrine. <laughs> I'm not somebody who follows my own voice. I know my shepherd's voice. I follow that voice. I'm not following mine, I'm following his. And his word leads us to life. His word leads us to truth. His word leads us to hope. Put that in the comments. God's word leads me to hope. God's word will fill us with that hope. So those feelings of, I'm not qualified. I'm not supposed to be here. All of that is hogwash. (laughs) All of that is hogwash. You're qualified by God to be there. You're qualified by God to be in his presence. And you know, we're just gonna keep tossing over religious cows right now. There was also the self-deprecating fear that I used to have of, God gave his son for me and I just must disappoint him all the time because he paid such a high price for me and I'm just I'm not even living up to the standard that he has for me. I must be disappointing him. No. And you know what? The word actually talks about how God felt about sending Jesus. See, nothing takes God by surprise. <laughs> the fact that I missed it, I have missed it in the past. I have a flesh so I could potentially miss it in the future. He knows every miss I'm ever going to have. Like, he knows all of it. Nothing surprises him. It may surprise me when I do something wrong, but God's like, yeah, no, I knew that one was coming. No, I, I knew about that one, but there's hope for you. There's me for you. I fill you. So nothing takes him by surprise. God, before he even sent Jesus, knew who was going to accept him and who was going to reject him. And how did he feel about it? Isaiah 53, 10 through 12. But the Lord desired to crush him. That, like when I first read that verse, I was like, this makes me uncomfortable. Like I, I don't like this, because <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, does the Lord desire to crush me too?" <laughs> like, maybe Jesus was bad in heaven one day, and He's like, "You know what? This is the time." But no, that was very immature, Barrett, who didn't know how to handle her feelings. It says the Lord desired to crush him. We're gonna keep trucking, causing him grief. If he renders himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. See, the Lord desired for Jesus to take the burden of sin and death and to be crushed in that way because he knew if Jesus would do that, I'm going to see the rest of my offspring. I'm going to see the rest of the creation that I desire to have intimacy with. If my one son will bear the weight of sin and death for all of humanity, I get my kids back. What this verse is saying is there's a love of God That we haven't even known before. That it pleased him to send Jesus to get you. Let that sink in. It pleased God to crush Jesus so that you could live. It pleased God to crush Jesus so that you could know God. That's literally what the verse is saying. It said, the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand, in Jesus's hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, hear this, will justify the man. Through Jesus, you've been justified. Just as if you died on that cross You've been made new through Jesus. He justified you. It says he will bear their wrongdoings. Every wrongdoing we've ever had Jesus took those. He wore those wrongdoings. Every mistake I've ever made, every cuss word I've ever said, every horrible thought I've ever had, every bit of anger I've ever displayed, any bit of laziness I've ever had, shallowness, selfishness, anything that I've ever done, anytime I ever spoke against the Lord, Jesus took that on himself. He took my wrongdoing. Why? He poured out his life unto death and was counted with wrongdoers. Yet he himself bore the sin of many because he interceded for the wrongdoers. Jesus saw where we were heading, and he's like, no, you're not going to go there. It's going to please my father to have you back in his life, and I'm going to save you. Even when we were sinners, Jesus chose to come. You have been qualified through Christ to know the Lord, you, me, we have been qualified by Christ to know the Lord. It says, what if we don't have god's spirit romans eight sixteen I don't have what Paul is writing about, I just have a fearful expectation of judgment. I used to have that too paul i did the word tells us that when we make Jesus our Lord and Savior, that we become a new creation. But there's, in the Word, it also talks about how there's a baptism that Jesus gives where He will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. So if there's been a concern in you of God's going to judge me, God doesn't want me, God doesn't love me, God could never choose me, whatever that lie has been, we have the ability to go exactly what Hebrews 4.16 says— To come boldly before the throne of grace in time of need and receive help and grace. That's what we can expect when we go to the Lord. He tells us in Isaiah that God is never again going to send his wrath on for us. That he's done being mad. This is my paraphrase. God's done being mad. He's done judging. He already poured all of his judgment out onto Jesus. And now we are in the era of grace where God looks at you and he doesn't even see you. He sees Jesus's blood. He sees his sacrifice. He sees what he paid for you to have. And so right now, I would just encourage you, if that fear's been there, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I come against that fear now. It has no authority over Ed. And Lord, or Ed, I would just encourage you to lift your hands right now and say, Lord, I ask you to forgive me for fearing you. I've had to do this too, Ed. I've had to do this a lot in my life but just make it earnest. Lord, I I ask you to forgive me for being scared of you. I ask you to continue to open my eyes to the depth of the love that you have for me. And then just put your hands on your head right now and say, Jesus, fill me with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus is a good giver. He is not withholding himself. It says he does not withhold one good thing from those who walk uprightly in this moment as you have repented for fearing and you are seeking the face of the Lord. He will fill you. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you fill Ed. Fill him with your Holy Spirit. Fill him with the love of God and a revelation of the love of God in a brand new way. Let it come to life inside of him now And I thank you that you continue to illuminate that word in Jesus' name. And he'll continue to do that, Ed. The thing you're going to have to do now is just to continue to discipline your mind, not to go back to that place of fear. And I've done it too. I used to be so scared that God was mad at me all of the time. And I had to discipline myself. Find what the word says about me. That's why knowing the alive Word of God, having that fresh daily intimacy with Him is so key because each and every single day, He can remind us of the love that He has for us. Think of it this way. I, My husband and I, we love each other very much. But if I went a week without speaking to my husband at all, there would be room for the temptation of fear to come in. If we went two weeks and we didn't speak, and we just kind of like, we came in and high-fived each other each day, and it was like, oh, good to see you, and we just high-fived, our relationship will eventually start to dwindle. But if I'm with him every day, and I am intentionally seeking him out, I'm intentionally going to him and talking to him, and I am intentionally seeking out his presence, then if, if Buddy were to try and come to me and be like, yeah Barrett, I think George is pretty sick of you today, I'd be like, no, that's my husband, and he loves me. My husband and I just talked this morning, we're good. So that fear would have no place to stand on because I have done my due diligence through intimacy with him to protect my relationship. And that's what we do with the Lord. You know, I think it's so easy for us to just assume that our relationship with the Lord is fine all the time, but there's weapons that are formed to try and steal, kill, and destroy. Even with our relationship with God. Ed said, wow, that was powerful. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. I Praise God that you felt the anointing and that he answers prayers. I can't do that. I'm literally physically in Albemarle, North Carolina. I'm not in wherever you are with you. But the anointing is not a respecter of persons. The anointing is a respecter of faith. So if he just showed up for you, that was him. He is so good. He's such a good God. But with the Lord, we've got to protect that as well and no, you know what? I value my relationship with him. I'm not going to let anything disprove the love that God has for me. The same way I'm not going to let someone talk junk about my husband to me. The same way I'm not going to let someone try and split in my brain and cause division between myself and my husband. I'm not going to let it happen between myself and God. No, my God loves me. My God wants me. My God desires me in his presence all of the time. My God chose for Jesus to die so I could know him. My God is powerful. My God is alive. My God wants me today. My God has plans for me today. My God wants me to prosper today. And so when those lies come, you know, my God has not made me inferior He made me adequate through his word. When those lies try to come, no, I spent time with my God today. Let me tell you what the word says about him. Let me tell you what my God told me today. I am his. That's where the power comes from. It's knowing him. It's knowing the word. It's having the word. It's wielding the word. And we won't have a word to wield if we don't get in his presence. We've got to be in his presence. We've got to know what he's thinking, what he's saying, what he's speaking. You know, and this goes right into number two. You know, of, of my five points, we are at number one in an hour. Go team, thousand percent of my pastor right here. But in point two, as we abide in him, we become more aware of who he's created us to be and less aware of what we used to be. As we abide in him, we become more aware of who he's created us to be. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Who are you? You're Righteous. That's who you are. You're not the old man. You go back through 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. And it says, we are no longer the old man. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. I've been made a new creation in Christ. Old things are dead. What used to be is gone. He reconciled me back to the right standing with God. I am not what I used to be. I'm righteous. I'm not the sinner that I used to be. I'm righteous. Righteous. And hear this, you're not a sinner saved by grace. You're made the righteousness of God in Christ. Sinner's dead. Righteous is alive. And the more we're in him, the more that's what becomes alive in us. You know, even if I mess up today, let's say today I go off and I smack Serena upside the head because I'm mad at her. Well, shouldn't have done that. That would be wrong. That would be sin, like for me to just in anger go hit her. But if I were to do that and then truly repented in my heart, not just a flippant, oh, I'm so sorry I hate you, and then whacked her again. No, if I go and I'm like, oh, I got mad. I let it come out of me. Lord, I'm so sorry. That moment erases the sin. I'm still righteous. I'm still made new. Even if 30 seconds ago I missed it. Even if a second ago I missed it, I'm made righteous still. And I'm still empowered by God to go to him, go boldly before the throne of grace in time of need. I'm able to go there because I'm still filled with his breath. An action, a momentary action of sin does not disqualify me from being a partaker of the grace of God. I missed it. Okay, then I'm going to get back up. If you miss it, get back up. If you missed it yesterday, it's time to get back up. If you've missed it all week long, it's time to get back up and keep going because you're not disqualified then. It's not like one miss erases the blood off of you. No, you fell down. Now it's time that we stand back up. You're still qualified by God. It's just a matter of repenting and keeping going forward. But the more we abide in him, the more we recognize it. The same way a baby doesn't beat itself up for falling, if we fall, we stand and we keep going. And the parents not there ticked off at their baby because they didn't walk perfect. No, they're pleased that they're trying. It's like, oh, praise God, I don't have to carry you anymore. You're going to walk. No, they're thrilled that they're trying and that they're learning. It's an exciting thing for God. So if you fall, don't beat yourself up. Because why? You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Through intimacy, we become fruitful. We become fruitful. John 15, one through nine, literally, just read all of John 15. But there's a few things I'm going to hone in on. Jesus is talking. He says, just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. We've got to remain in Jesus. We've got to remain in Him. Otherwise, we're not going to be fruitful. If we're not in intimacy with Him, it's not going to work, is, is another way of saying that. Have things ever just not worked for you? Like you've been at work and it's not working. Like you've worked on a project and it's just not working. And you have, I heard, yes. <laughs> or you've had to do something and it's just not working out. A conversation just is going sideways, like it's just not working. It's like, why? Because most of the time, we haven't been abiding in him. See, if we abide in him, we bear fruit. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself. But if we remain in the vine, we will bear fruit. So uh, most of the time, the reason we don't have it is because we're not in him. We're trying to do it without him. We're trying to be the Mary or the Marthas that are just cleaning the house and cooking and doing all this stuff, preparing for when it's okay to be with Jesus instead of just being with Jesus. Think of that. Martha spent all of her time cooking and cleaning and preparing and making sure the house is perfect so that she could properly receive Jesus in and she could properly have that special time with him. She wasted all that time. Jesus was right there. But instead of just being, she was trying to do and trying to earn his approval instead of just resting. But when we just are with him, stuff starts to work. It's why the Lord told pastor last year, it's time to start doing business differently. You know, it's like the word today. I, like at 10, 15, when like when we were talking and people were like, I don't have leaving for today. I just, I don't have a word for today. My flesh could have like started to get an unrest, but instead I was like, you know what? I'm going to get in you because we're not even going to be able to hear a word outside of you. I can't even think of something worthwhile unless you're in it. So Lord, I need to be in you. And he bore fruit. That's the fruit that caused the power of God to go to Ed's home right now and for him to be able to receive. That's why we're able to receive as a whole right now together and step into his presence. Not because of me, but because I chose to be in the vine. (laughs) And when we're in the vine, stuff starts to work. Serena said that happened the other day. She was trying on her own to work on a project. And the next day when she decided to give it to God, he had someone call me with the answer that she needed. Amen. Ed said, how do you get closer to him? How do we find the rest he talks about in Hebrews 4? Ed, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Through intimacy. It's all through intimacy. Through prayer, through spirit-led prayer. Now that you ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit, it's through spirit-led prayer, spirit-led word, spirit-led worship, and then corporate fellowship. Those four things will lead you to being closer with God. So what I mean by that is Praying, but not just a religious prayer. And I I used to do this all of the time. Like, truly, what what I'm talking about right now has taken me eight years to even begin to grasp. Because when I moved here, Pastor Brian and Pastor Nicole told me that the number one thing I needed to learn was how to be in intimacy with the Lord. That's what I needed to know what to do. I needed to learn who I was in Him I needed to have that intimacy. I was like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Thanks, I don't know. And so I would, I'd watch the sermons and I'd get the books and I'd listen to the podcast and I'd get a book of confessions and I'd read through the confessions and I would get a book on prayer and I'd learn and I'd get a book on faith and I'd learn and I'd, I'd, learn, and I'd learn and I'd learn and I'd learn and I was never with God the whole time. <laughs> like, if I was, it was straight up by mercy. But it was me trying to to figure it out by my brain. We don't get closer to God by our brain. We get closer just by time with him, intimacy with him. So when I'm talking about spirit led prayer, what I'm saying is you sit down and you're like, Lord, I'm here. I want to be with you. I'm going to fellowship with you. The word tells us that when we pray in the spirit, we give thanks well, and we are praying out the mysteries of God. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll pray in the Spirit. And if you've never been filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, we can do that today on the broadcast. Let me know and we can pray that way if that's something you'd like to do. But what I would do is I would sit and I would pray and I would just be there. And at times I'd get silent and I'd just let him talk. Sometimes the Spirit of God would lead me to praise him in song. Sometimes I'd pray a lot. Sometimes it would just be quiet I'd let the Spirit lead me to pray. Sometimes I'd be praying for friends, but either, no matter what it looked like, the Holy Spirit was telling me what to do. So I would pray as He led me to pray, and I was just there. Pastor Brian has a story of—I think it's a friend of a friend of his. He just—he got hungry for God. He just—he was hungry for God, and he told God, "I'm going to pray." Until I have, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, until I have your presence, until I have your anointing, I, I, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm going to seek you. And he'd just stay up and he'd wake up and he'd just pray through the night and he'd pray through the night and he'd pray through the night. And sometimes he'd fall asleep and then he'd wake up again and he'd keep praying and he would just be there and he'd fall asleep and he'd wake up and he'd keep praying. And he did this for a while until one night he was praying And he got up and he started walking around. And when he came back, he realized his physical body was in the chair. His spirit left his body, like not dead. He like, he was in the spirit realm to such a degree. He was in that intimate place with God to such a place he didn't even know. He just was with God. We need to get to the point where stuff like that becomes a reality for us, where we're just, we're available. We give ourselves to God. So spirit led prayer, spirit-led worship, not just singing whatever song, you know, necessarily we want to, or what Kay Love says is the top song of the time, but we we're just praising him through song. We're worshiping him through action. You know, worship is a life dedicated to him. So through our every life, we're dedicating everything we're doing back to him. My life is a worship to God. I live for him. My actions are motivated by loving God. So spirit-led prayer, spirit-led worship, spirit-led word. We read what the word tells us to, or what the Lord tells us to read. We get in the word and we study when he says to. We read, we listen to preaching that the Lord tells us to listen to. Preaching that's fruit-filled. You know, not just dead preaching, but preaching that is fruit-filled. And then corporate fellowship coming together, assembling together with a body, a body that's after souls, that has revelation, that's walking in the power of God, that sees signs, wonders, miracles, that sort of corporate anointing. He says, how can you tell if you're being led by the Spirit versus the impulse of the flesh? You learn through intimacy. (laughs) It's one of those things where there's... I know Pastor Brian, and I'll, I'll pass these questions to him. And Pastor, if you'll... Actually, and if you'll go to, what is it, whatsright.com, and there's like a contact us page, we want to answer your questions, and I'll answer that one um, to the best of my own ability. But if you have more, feel free to put them on there. We'll get them not just to us, but also to Pastor Brian. We'll get in touch with you. That way, anything that you may want to know, we can get you the more thorough answer from the Word than just here right on the spot but, you know, for me personally, how could I tell if I was being led by the spirit versus the impulse of the flesh? You've got to know the different voices. You know, your flesh sounds one way, your mind, your will, your emotions, that sound, your soul, that sounds another way. And then the spirit of God sounds different too. And the more you begin to know the voice of God, the more you get into the word and you read what his character and nature sounds like, the more you pray and you begin to have that personal, intimate time with him um he said, I hear people talking I hear people talk about God speaking to their spirit and I don't get it. And I we have some buddy, if you'll find the how to be led by the spirit of God videos, if you'll put that in the um comments. We actually did a whole series on this, I'm pretty sure, of how to know is it God talking, is it me talking, what does that look like? I we're gonna put that in there for you to watch. And if you still have questions, go ahead and go to what's and we'll answer them there. Guys, I have a whole other page left. We're not going to get to the whole other page today. (laughs) But truly, this has been phenomenal because intimacy with God is the key to unlocking everything. It's the key to understanding stuff like that. I didn't get it until I started having that intimacy with the Lord. That intimacy with God is what starts to lay stuff out and make it more and more clear. And how does it turn into a power? Because By 1 Corinthians 1, 2, 10 through 13. Go there, read that. Like, I I, I read all of the word, but I strongly encourage you today, go read 1 Corinthians 2. All of the beginning, but specifically verses 10 through 13. It says, how is God going to, basically, how's God going to reveal stuff? How can you then know what God's thinking? How can you know what he's saying? He revealed them through the Spirit. Okay, God reveals stuff through his Spirit. What are you filled with? Put the answer in the comments. What are you filled with right now? I'm not like ordinarily, I'd tell you, but I, I want P, I want it to click in people. It says God revealed them what mysteries, hidden things God revealed to us through the spirit. And what are we filled with the spirit? We're filled with the Holy spirit. So God reveals hidden things to Holy spirit who lives in us. Holy spirit So if Holy Spirit knows secret things, guess who's literally living inside of us? Holy Spirit. Ed says, thank you so much. I appreciate this. Absolutely. We're here to bless you. We want you to go higher just like we want to go higher. God's good and we love you very much. It says, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God, For who among people knows the thoughts of a person except the spirit of the person that's in them? So also the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the... Hear this. We've received the spirit who is from God. Why? So that we may know the things freely given to us by God. What things? The thoughts of God. His ways, the mysteries of God. You read through 1 Corinthians and it literally, I think it's in chapter 4, says that because we have been made able to know the mysteries of God, we've got to prove ourselves to be good stewards. How can we know the mysteries of God? Because we're filled with him. (laughs) Like I can literally know God's thoughts because he's in me. He's in me. When I pray, he's praying out of me. When I preach, he's preaching out of me. When I talk, he's talking out of me. When I go somewhere, I'm carrying him. I can know the mysteries of God because he's in me. He's in me. Like, let that be exciting to you. Things do not have to be confusing anymore. Things do not have to be complicated anymore. Things do not at all have to be a mystery to you because God's revealed it by the spirit that's in you. And if it's in you, it can come out of you. Nothing has to be a mystery about God because he's in you and he was given to you to reveal it. Put this in the comments. Holy Spirit is my revealer. When this point came alive to me, prayer changed. The word changed. My reading of the word changed. How I perceived the word of God changed. Everything about my relationship with him was different because I realized the revealer lives in me. And he wants me to get this. He wants me to know him. He wants me to understand. He wants me to have it. And he's inside of me. I don't even have to go to him. He came in me. He's in me. The revealer's in me. I can know my God. Put that in the comments. I can know my God. I can know. I can know the secret things that he's laid up for today. I can know what he wants ministered on the broadcast today. I can know what I'm supposed to do when work ends today. I can know who I'm supposed to work with. I can know who I'm supposed to be friends with. I can know what actions I'm supposed to take because my God is alive in me and he makes all the mysteries clear to me. All of them. Nothing is hidden from you by God, except for when he's coming back. But he, you know what? That's hidden from Jesus, too. <laughs> like, it's not like he's up there going, mm, I just don't think they're going to know today. I'm going to watch to see what happens when it's mystery time. No, we can know these things. We can know stuff. That's why those memes of, you know, life with Holy Spirit's like a roller coaster. You just don't know where it's going. no. That's not biblically accurate because Holy Spirit's my revealer. He's my revealer. Holy Spirit makes the path clear to me. He shows me what steps I'm to take. He shows me what it looks like. He shows me what it feels like. Holy Spirit is my revealer and it's not topsy-turvy with him. He's straight. He's clear. He's concise. He gets me from point A to point B and it's not confusing. He's not confusing. He's not confusing. He's not confusing. He's not confusing. Holy Spirit is not confusing. He's not. He's not. It's literally against his nature. (laughs) Like if he's the revealer and he was confusing, he'd be the worst at his job. He is a good communicator. Like what are his names? The helper, the comforter, The revealer, okay, well, he's not going to help if he can't talk well. He's not going to be the teacher if he can't communicate well. He's not going to be a good revealer if he makes it confusing. No, his very nature is to get the information to us, get it to us clearly, and show us how to do it. That's who he is. Life does not have to be confusing because we have the revealer inside of us right Now, maybe we are going to finish these up. Holy Spirit, you let me know. Why is all this important? Because now that we're at this point, this is how Mark 11 works. See, we can read Mark 11, 22 through 24. You know, (laughs) have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and cast into the sea, and it'll be done. We could hear that. It's like, okay, mountain be cast into the sea. And Mount Everest doesn't move. Pastor laughing, he's like, he's not confusing. He may Holy Spirit may be confusing to our flesh, but not to our spirit. Our spirit is in line with him. Our spirit may confuse the world. It says to the world that like our actions will confound them. But to us, he doesn't make stuff confusing. He makes things clear. He's the illuminator. He is what causes the word to become alive to us. When we just try to read the word of our own fleshly like abilities, that's when the word was so confusing to me. But when I started reading the word by the Holy Spirit's help, all of a sudden, he unlocks those things. He makes them plain. He makes them clear. So though our flesh may have questions of, I don't know why I'm doing this, our spirit does Why? Because 2 Corinthians 2.14, he's leading me to triumph right now. I may not get the path that I'm on, but I get that it's going to be straight and I'm going to get there quickly and it's going to lead me to life very fast. So it may look confusing to people. Our flesh may have questions. Our soul may not get it, but the real us, the spirit man us, that's what's alive. That's what's alive. And that's why it's not confusing to our spirit man. But Mark 11, 22 through 24, that, all of that is to get here. How does faith work? Through intimacy. Because a man with no intimacy, like I've been, will go up to a mountain and say, okay, I just want to test it and see if it works. Mountain move. Oh, you didn't move. Guess not. Guess this verse doesn't work. But a man armed with a word, a man armed with intimacy, if God speaks to you and says, tell that mountain to move, And we are armed with a word. And we believe that our God has told us this. We know that we know that we know that we know this came from God. We have the father backing it. Then no mountain can stand. That's how we are able to see the word come to pass in our life. Because an intimate fellowship with God understands the word is working when I speak it. The word is going to work for me. The word may not have worked for Jim Bob who didn't have a covenant relationship, but I've got one. My God said to do this, it's happening and it'll happen. And what, what happens? You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. It will happen, but you must really believe that it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. Anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it'll be yours. How does that happen? Through intimacy. Faith grows by intimacy. Faith grows by intimacy. Faith grows by intimacy. That's how faith comes, through intimacy. We can't speak to mountains without that intimacy backing it. There's no power. You know, we couldn't have been able to pray for Ed just a little bit ago had there not been intimacy with the Lord to enable that power to happen. Intimacy is what predicates power. Intimacy allows us to be filled with the power of God. Intimacy is good. It's what enables us. It's what empowers us. It's what helps us to know His voice. We have to have intimacy with God or else our faith just won't work. So today, you know, Ed, I so appreciate you coming on here and humbly saying, you know what? I don't understand. I don't understand how I can have more of God, basically. How can I be without fear? How can I walk in this? I appreciate that you didn't even wait. You just jumped in. You're like, I need it and I need it now. May we all get to that point where it's like, God, I need more of you now. I need to have your word now. I need to have your Holy Spirit now. I need you now. I need you. And when that comes alive in us, we need to move. So today, if this broadcast, as you've been listening, you've realized, I need more of God right now. I can't wait. I need to know his voice. I need to know his spirit. I need him. I need you, Lord. Then just pray this with me and say, Lord, I need you right now. Fill me fresh today, Jesus, with your Holy Spirit. I need you. Holy Spirit, you're the revealer. Reveal the things I need to know today. Give me the word today. Tell me what needs to be done today. I need you now. Give me that word now. Lord, I thank you that you don't lead your people just by jerking them here, there, and everywhere. I thank you that your leading, your plans are purposeful, intentional, and lead us to victory. Lord, take each person here into a new place of intimacy with you. I thank you, Lord, for it. You are good. Your plans are good. And I call each person on this broadcast blessed. I thank you that they hear your voice. They don't follow a stranger's. And Lord, I thank you that you help us to see, hear, and know you in a new level. In the name of Jesus, may it be so. Let any confusing voices be gone. Let the flesh be gone. In Jesus' name, let life rise up now. Let us not try to earn you. Let us not try to force you. But Lord, we just receive the fresh breath of God in our lives now. We receive your breath. We receive your life. We receive your word. And I thank you, Lord, that you are are reviving intimacy in your people today in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for being on today. If you have received today, then I just ask that you seek the Lord. Lord, do you want me to sow into you? The word tells us that God so loved that he gave. Part of our intimacy with the Lord is giving back. God, we love God. You, Lord, I want to give to you. And just tell him, Lord, I I desire to bless you today. What do you want me to give? Anything? Something? Nothing? It's always good to partake, to sow into a word that we partook with. But we don't want you to do anything unless the Lord gave the word. Here's the thing. If the Lord told you to sow $100 today, you've got a word on that. That means that there's going to be life in that offering and there's going to be life in the harvest that comes back to you. There's life coming to you today. today, But that life comes through the word. So Lord, right now, speak to your people. Show each and every single one of us what we're to sow today, if we're to sow. If we're not, then I thank you that we don't. But Lord, I ask that you make it plain and clear, concise. Show us those things now in the name of Jesus. And as he's revealing those things to you, just be quick, be obedient with it. Don't delay, don't dilly-dally on the things of God. If he's speaking to you, it's for this moment. It's for this time. So you sow in obedience and expect a harvest coming back to you because he's so good like that. So today, if you feel led by God to sow and you're like, I tasted of that word. I partook of it. I want the grace that's on that to come into my life. I'm investing in that word. Then you can. You can go to giveww.org. It'll take you to a page that has all of the various ways that we give on there. There's a QR code that you can scan, and it'll take you there as well. But you just be obedient. Go where and do whatever it is that the Lord's told you to do. And in the name of Jesus, may each seed be Blessed, blessed. Blessed, blessed, abundantly blessed. We thank you, Lord, for it. We ask that the seed be pressed down, shaken together, running over. Let it return back to them quickly in the name of Jesus. Let it be a harvest that overtakes them, surprises them, confounds the world. But to you, it's because they enacted your system correctly. Lord, I thank you that you grace each viewer today as they partake of your anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for being on. We are going to be back next week. And as you are finishing up this video, you are welcome to watch another one. You can go click through our hundreds of other videos that we've done. Each one is filled with faith in the Word of God for you to just continue to grow. So click through, watch something else, and we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you guys for joining us today. We are so thankful for you, as you are awesome. And we're excited uh, for what is going to be taking place here at Lunch Plus. But guys, this is Friday, which means we will see you Monday at 1130 for Lunch Plus. We love you guys. Ed said thank you, guys. Ed, it was such an honor and a blessing to have you on the broadcast today. From the whole team, we we love you. And we're going to be praying for you. And uh, thank you, sir, for being on today and for watching the whole thing. Uh, We just want to say we thank you. And everyone else, all of our other viewers, we just want to thank you for being on today. Guys, we love you. We will see you on Monday at 11.30 for Lunch Plus. Bye, guys.